Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adeomi. We are going through the Acts of the Apostles. We are now in chapter 4. In chapter 3 was where Peter and John went to the temple at the hour of prayer, the night hour, and they saw this lame man that was always carried by the gate, beautiful, asking for arms. And they make that lame man to walk by commanding that safer and good, why not? In what I have, I give thee in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then the crowd gathered and he preached to them about Jesus. Now let's see the reaction of the people or the reaction of the of the rulers when they saw this thing happen at the gate of at the gate beautiful that this lame man walked in chapter four. Because the story said Peter and John were arrested. Verse chapter four, verse one. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. You have to remember the Sadducees, they didn't believe in resurrection. And for they were the one that came to Jesus Christ and tried to, to, to ask questions and said, You guys are talking about resurrection. Let's, let's see how God is going to handle this. There are some seven brothers that marry one woman that. Moses said, "If you, if your brother, if you, if you have a, a brother that died and he, he didn't have a seed, and his wife was left behind, you, your brother should marry the, the wife and raise a seed for this man that died actually." So, well, there are seven brethren like that, and the first one married, left no seed. The second one married the same woman, left no seed. All the seven married the same woman, they left no seed, and the woman died. And the resurrection, who will be the husband of that woman? So they try to ask questions that make it look like uh, there will be confusion that if there is any resurrection, they, they don't want to believe in resurrection. And Jesus Christ said to them and said, well, in the resurrection there shall be no marrying or getting in marriage. It shall be as angels. So that dumbfounded them. But see, that doesn't change them. They are still don't believe. You see. So, they were the ones that are part of the rulers of the temple. They were part of the rulers of the temple. You wonder why in the world are they believing God then if they believe there is a God, oh, what kind of God do they believe? They don't believe, on, they don't believe in spirits, they don't believe in angels, they don't believe in resurrection. So we don't know what type of a God they, they were worshipping. But they are part of the rulers. So when they said they were grieved, then they heard Peter preaching about Jesus and the resurrection that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. They didn't believe that either. They thought uh, these people are making it up. They, they tried to cover it up and said the soldiers should say his disciples came and stole his body while we were sleeping. When they know that that was not really happened. The, the soldiers told them what they experienced. They saw an angel came down and rolled the stone away. And they said, well, I don't think we want to tell that to the crowd. So they, they said, the Bible said they bribed the soldiers and said, we will, if the pilot heard about you guys sleeping, we tell the pilot that pull it. We just make it up. So they tried to cover it up. These are the Sadducees that were doing the same type of thing. They didn't believe in resurrection. So they were angry that the apostles are now using this miracle to 
as opposing to preach to the people that Jesus Christ rose from the dead when they didn't believe there's a resurrection. Now you wonder, what did they believe when they saw that Jesus Christ called Lazarus out of the grave? They were the people that said, we have to kill Lazarus again. And <laughs> they want to kill Lazarus again. When they had that, people were now going to see Lazarus with their own eyes. And they were in the same Judea where they knew that people knew Lazarus. They themselves knew this family. And they knew how this man was died, dead four days in the grave. And if somebody perhaps have gone to console the sister, and they say he rose again. This man came, this Jesus of Nazareth called the man back from the grave. And the Jews are now going there and say, well, this must be the Messiah. So they wanted to kill Lazarus back. But they didn't, that was not reported whether they ever got hold of Lazarus. Maybe later they did that. But it was not after, it was not before crucifixion. So now verse 3 of chapter 4. So, and they laid hands on the apostles, Apostle Peter and John. They laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now even time. So, you remember they started at 3 p.m. By the time the crowd were gathered, maybe 5 p.m., 6 p.m., was when, the, when they were now arrested. The people that are rulers, maybe they were 8 to 5, they are already closed. If they are going to try them, so we just put them in, in detention till the morning, where the the, the rulers will be gathered again. But for albeit, many of them which had the word believed. Many of these people that crowd, the crowd that gathered, many of them believed. And the number of the men that was about 5,000, I mean, the crowd, since the temple was like a center of activity in Jerusalem, in those days at least. So there's always a crowd more, you know, more roaming about. So when they saw this, make people gather and listen. And then by the time Apostle Peter was done talking and preaching and they were arrested. The crowd, that many of them have believed. We do not know whether all of them got baptized, but not on that day. So, but at least they believed. Baptism should always come later after you have believed. Also. Verse 5, And it came to pass on the morrow. So now they put Peter and John in detention till the following morning. On the morrow, that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. Now, these are the rulers. All those who had gathered and condemned the Lord Jesus Christ, they were still the one around. And now the apostles are now doing things, miracles. Now they want to confront these apostles again. And when they had set them in the midst, they brought Peter and John to come from the detention. They asked him, by what power or by what name have you done this? They saw the man that was lame also with them. So that man also put in detention with them. Verse 8. So they were asking, by what power and by what name have you done this? Then Peter, verse 8. Fear with the Holy Ghost said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you all. Now you can see now Apostle Peter now filled with the Holy Spirit, was no more afraid of a maid that said, you are one of them, and said, I'm not. When he denied, because there was no Holy Ghost 
in him then. And Christ also said, that will happen because he already was boasting and bragging that I will never deny it. I will never deny it. Christ said, what's coming to happen tonight? You will be still denying me three times. He said, never, never. Everyone said, never. But when it happened, the flesh shook, you no? Know? came into being and even the, the maid that couldn't even do anything against him, he was already denied. I don't, I don't know. This. I don't, I'm not one of them. And the soldier said, you are one of them. You are a Galilean. You speak like a Galilean. He said, he started cursing. No, no, I, I, I don't know this man. I don't know this man. And Christ said that he has told them to pray that they do not fall into them. That was a serious temptation for Peter. Serious temptation because that could have casted him out of the midst of the disciple. In fact, he was no more a disciple from them because he, he said with his mouth three times, that I am not one of them. I am not one of them. When you say it, it I mean that you mean it. Or you are confessing negative. And the, we are spirit. We are spirit. We must be careful of what we say with our mouth. And when he said it, it I mean, he, he caught himself from being a disciple. Christ said, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. He already saw it coming. And that's why he told them to pray on the guests in the garden of Gethsemane that you fall not into, run not into temptation. These are children that follow them. should have just stayed away. And the temptation will have come. But he wants to see the end. He wants to see the end. Then they face to face with uh, people pointing him out. And he, the devil also walk upon his mind and begin to, be, to, to begin to doubt that uh, this thing is over or something. In the end, he was called back. That's why the angel told him, go and tell his disciples and Peter. So Peter was no more the disciple. Yet they said, we want him back. Christ wants him back. Go and tell his disciples and Peter. That he goes before you into Galilee, there we will see him. So that was how we know that Peter was no more disciple for temporarily, but Christ brought him back and he repented. And he was now the leader of this of this new of this of this uh, new believers. Of the believers. So Peter now was bold enough to tell even the chief priests, the high priests, the uh, all the great men of that of that generation, Alexander, Caiaphas, John. Was no more afraid now, he's filled with the Holy Ghost, and he was able to say, Ye rule, he, said, he said, By what power I say, You rulers of the people, if we be this day examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, be it known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified. Now he was bold not to say, Ye crucified him, whom God raised from the dead. Even by him does this man stand here before you all. So that is the, what the power of the Holy Ghost does for us. He gave us boldness to witness for Christ. Ready to lay down our life if it, if it need be. And Christ will stand for us, will stand with us. And he only allow people that he has ordained that they need to lay down their life. Because Apostle Peter was finally killed in Rome. But several times when Herod tried to kill him, the angel of the Lord got him out of there because it was not yet time. So nobody can kill any believer until it is the time God has appointed. That is, the Satan cannot kill anybody unless he gets permission from the, from the Lord. Because the Lord is the Lord of all. That's why he conquered death and hell and all. So the devil, that's why we shouldn't be afraid of the devil, because he cannot kill anybody without getting permission from the Lord. We are the, we are the servants of the Lord. So he cannot kill any of us without getting permission. And the Lord does not kill any people. People say, the Lord take them away. The Lord does not take people away. He only allow the devil to... to to do his dirty work when he allowed it. All this persecution that happened when they killed James, when they killed uh, Apostle Peter, Apostle Paul, because God allowed it. God allowed it. 
But when he doesn't allow it, no Satan, no devil can kill any of the believers. Only when God allows. So that's what you see in all the stories in the book of Acts of the Apostles in the life of the believers. Only God allowed the persecution because it is part of the package, as he has said, carry your cross and follow me. The cross is a, it's a condemnation. That the devil is like condemning all these people that are following Christ. They say they are going to, they, are, they deserve to, to take over the kingdom of this world because they have suffered with Christ. Just like Christ suffered and was crucified to, raise, to, 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 to save the world, we believers that suffer also, we, are, we say we, are, we deserve to take over this kingdom of this world and rule forever and ever. It's a kingdom that God is saying, you that suffer with him, you deserve to reign with him forever and ever. So that is why God allowed that persecution. That's why we must not be afraid of the persecution. We must stand and be ready to stand for Jesus, no matter what we have to face. And Christ said, he will show his power when he wants to, like he did and send an angel to get Peter out of jail when Herod wanted to kill him. And then when they tried to kill all of them in Rome, he even allowed Apostle John, that wrote the Gospel of John, not to be killed. They couldn't kill him. They killed all the others, they couldn't kill him. They tried everything to kill him. The Bible said, they boil him in oil, whatever it is. They tried to burn him on, on sticks and he will just will not die. Not burnt. And they finally exiled him. And he was in the Isle of Patmos until he got the book of Revelation. And later he was released, and then he went back and lived a whole till the old age, according to the stories we had. That he lived a, uh, long as an old man before he finally died. According to the stories, they say he finally died and he was buried somewhere in uh, Ephesus or somewhere. That was, we read that in the books of the first church age that they were writing that they, they knew where he was buried after old age, after he was released from, uh, from the Isle of Patmos. That was Apostle John. But see, the devil cannot kill anybody except the Lord permits it. That's what we are pointing out. So that's why we shouldn't be afraid of man that can kill the body and can do no more. The Lord Jesus Christ told us that. Fear not man that can kill the body and do no more. But fear him, the Lord God Almighty, who can not only kill the body but throw the soul into hell fire. That's what we want to fear. So Apostle Peter now filled with the Holy Ghost, not, no more afraid of the priests and chief priests and soldiers or maids or anybody. He's now said, this same Jesus whom you crucified, God has raised him from the dead. Even by him does this man stand before you all. Verse 11 of the Gospel of John, of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 4, verse 11. He said, This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Now he was quoting Psalm 118. Verse 22 said, The stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. That is, the logic also said the same thing when he was preaching to them, and they didn't, uh, they didn't want to accept him. He said, this is the stone which the builders reject. That is, Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. These people thinking they are trying to build God a temple, trying to build God uh, God's people. So this is the chief cornerstone that you are rejecting the chief cornerstone. That is the temple, the real temple of God is we human beings. And this is the chief cornerstone and you guests are not understanding it and they are not accepting. They rejected him as the Messiah. So that is the one that you rejected, but that is the chief cornerstone. That's what Apostle Peter also quoted in this verse 11. So this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders. You, the, who are the builders? This high priest, chief priest, they thought they are building Israel. They are trying to build the nation of Israel. But you can't build the nation of Israel and reject the, the most important person. The, the, the stone which you rejected is the, the stone of Israel. In fact, Jacob mentioned that the stone of Israel. The stone means the most important part, the rock of defense for Israel. 
It's the one they are rejecting. They didn't know that's the Messiah that they are rejecting. He said, this is the stone which you builders, you builders thinking you are trying to save Israel. And that, that was what they were thinking of. They said, well, if you don't kill this man, the Romans will come and attack us and take our nation away. And so they thought by killing the Messiah, they will stop the revolution. Because they thought this, if we allow all the people to believe in this man as the Messiah, they are, trying to, they are going to try to make him king. And the Caesar will come against us. They try to build the nation Israel. And the, the prophet is saying, this stone which you are rejecting is the chief cornerstone. That's why Apostle Peter also was quoting it, that this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders. Builders of what? Builders of the nation. Which has become the head of the corner. That is the most important stone. The, chief, the, 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 the stone of Israel, the most important stone. You are rejecting it and it's become the most important stone. Verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus is the name that saves anybody, any human being from hell, from lake of fire. The name of Jesus is what can save you. You've got to call on that name Jesus to be saved. That's what Apostle Peter was quoting, saying in verse 12 that neither is there salvation. Salvation from what? Salvation from the wrath of God. Salvation from lake of fire. Salvation from going to hell. There's no salvation in any other name except the name of Jesus Christ. I remember preaching in, uh, in one village close to Lagos, Nigeria, many years ago. And I was in the street with my, my, with my jeep preaching. People gathered. And one Muslim cleric, maybe it was a rabbi of Muslim religion, he came and challenged me on the street and told me that you guys are deceiving people, saying that Jesus is the only Savior. He said, go and read Isaiah chapter 4. He quoted the same to me. He said, go and read Open your, to your Bible to Isaiah chapter 43. Verse, verse so and so. I said, okay. People were now excited when they see a, their neighbor confronting the preacher. Oh, well, they are excited. They want to see, see how this preacher is going to answer this. So he said, I open your Bible to Isaiah chapter so and so and read it out. Verse so and so. Read it. So I said, okay, okay, let me read it. He said, the Bible said, that's the chapter 43 of Isaiah, verse 11. He quoted it. He said, must have searched the Bible and found it. And he was a Muslim. One of those Muslim uh, clerics. He said, okay, say, read it out. Let everybody hear. He said, I, even I, am the Lord. And beside me, there is no Savior. He said, ha! In your own Bible, God said, he is the only Savior. He said, okay. Why are you guys deceiving people saying Jesus is the only Savior? Nobody can save except God. Because we are telling people to come to Jesus and be saved also. So he was telling me that Jesus Christ is not the, it's not the Savior, it's God that is the Savior. So I said, well, good, thank you for asking, for giving me a lesson. Know who is this Jesus? Let me show you from the same Isaiah, who is Jesus? Open to Isaiah chapter 9. Let's open to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He said, read it. It's okay. Everybody listen. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. I say a son, a child. The government shall be upon the shoulder of this child. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God. The everlasting father, the prince of peace. He said, well, that's exaggeration. <laughs> 
That was the response of this Muslim Christ. That was exaggerated. I say the same. I say the prophet, you, you just quoted to me, say, I even I am the Lord, no savior beside me. Is that that's not exaggeration? But when he said it in chapter 9, verse 6, I said, This child that shall be born, we call the mighty God. Is it that's exaggeration? I say, well, God is not exaggerating, he's telling you that he is himself coming like a human being. That's what it means. See, you'll be calling this child the mighty God. He's just telling you that. Hey, I'm the one coming as a human being. The man walked away and everybody laughed, 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 laughed at him. See, that is what we are saying. That's, that's what Apostle Peter was saying. Eh? There's no salvation in any other. That's why Jesus Christ said, no man come unto the Father but by me. See, you can't get to the Father but by him because he is the Father put on flesh and say, unless you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. They say, who are you? He said, I'm the light of the world. God wanted to take this world over and make one person to be in charge of everything in the whole universe, the whole level. Who is that going to be one person? He came like a human being himself. So this is that one person that's going to be ruling the whole universe. Visible universe and invisible universe. That's what the prophecy, that's what the gospel is all about. That is the plan of God from the ages. That's what Apostle Paul when saying that God has put all he's going to he say, let's look at this Apostle Paul. Said it in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Verse 10, this is the plan of God. That Apostle Paul was saying, God is made known unto us, the mystery of his will. Verse 9 said, having made known unto us, unto the apostles, the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. God purposed it in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, that is when it is the right time, God has planned it when it is the right time, he might gather together in one. All things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. What's that telling us? He's saying God actually planned this thing that at the right time, he himself will make everything he has created in heaven and on earth. He's going to put them under one person. Oh, wow, who's that going to be that one person? Himself. They already, he's already in charge, but he's going to come as a human being and be on our side, on this, on this side. He's going to be ruling this universe from the physical world. That's what he's saying. And as he's going to do that, he's going to put himself a human being. That is what the Bible says. It says that the throne of God and of the Lamb, the throne, one throne of God and of the Lamb, the Lamb is Christ, and God manifests as a human being as Christ. So that is the truth. That is exactly what the mystery is. It's a mystery. God is beginning to reveal it to the apostles and they are revealing it to us. And from different verses we are pointing out to you, bringing them together and taking, making to see that Jesus is the only way. Christ said that, except you believe I am he, you will die in your sins. The Bible says, it's going forth, I have been from of old, from everlasting. He just visited here for 30 something years, going back to glory. And he's telling you that if you believe, you are saved. And you will be saved if you continue to the, to the end. That's what Apostle Peter was saying in that verse 12, chapter 4 of Acts of the Apostles. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now that was the, the summary of what Apostle Peter told those, those rulers on that day. Verse 13, do they believe? Well, now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned, I mean, where did these people get this thought time? Or where did they get all this training? That's what they are saying. They are, but they don't know. They are learning people. And ignorant men, they say, these people are not educated people that we know. 
But they were the educators, they were the rulers, they were the ones that have schools. And they say, well, these people are not educated. They are fishermen, these people, fishermen. They are also, I mean, they were not educated, ignorant men. See, they marvel, and then they took, oh, they are the followers of Jesus. Oh, okay. And they had been with Jesus. That they had been with, they had knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Okay. And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among the citizens, they said, okay, take them out, let's talk about this. So they talked among themselves, saying, what shall we do to this man? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them. It's manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. I mean, this man is not a little boy that was here. 40 year old man that everybody knew coming to that temple up and on for years. You know the man, they have been giving him money as arms. Now the man is here by these two Jesus uh, disciples. So they said, You cannot deny it. Then now they want to threaten the But that is spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. They think by threatening them, these people will keep their mouth shut. Or they can't keep their mouth shut when the Holy Ghost is in us. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. So they said that name, Jesus, is what the devil is afraid of. That's the name the devil went to silence. Because you know that's the name that cast out devils. That's the name Jesus that rules that is going to take over the world. That's the name Jesus that's going to that destroy him. It's the name of Jesus that destroys Satan. The Bible says Jesus can destroy the power of him that, that he that has the power of death. In Hebrews chapter 2. He put on human flesh to come and destroy the man that the fellow, the spirit that have been killing human beings. Let's read that to you in Hebrews chapter 2. This is what Apostle Paul was writing in Hebrews chapter 2 that this is why Christ came. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 40 says, For as much then as the children, that's we human beings, are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that he also took on flesh and blood, that's why God took on flesh and blood, that through death he has to die, to, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. That is, God came, put on flesh and blood, and died so that he can destroy the spirit that has been killing mankind. You have to go to where the headquarters is. The satanic spirit that has been killing human beings, taking them to hell. God has to let he came as a human being, let them kill him also. And when they kill him, I was I have experienced that they dragged my soul, carrying me to they are dragging me like a little boy, I couldn't resist them, those air spirits. They were dragging me to and when they got to a gate in my in, in that it was I must have died on my, on my bed. I'm talking of 1970, 1976. I was still college student. Early in the morning. I must have died on my bed and they were dragging me. This hell spirit were dragging me. I was like helpless. I couldn't help myself. They were just dragging me like a little baby that I couldn't be. I couldn't help myself. Then they dragged me to a gate. That was how people were dragging her in death. Their soul. The soul of people are dragging dead. And you see, you see yourself just like uh, any woman. You see yourself just as a full flesh person. And these people are dragging me like that too. And we got to that gate. I'm just giving my testimony. We got to that gate. The voice of the Lord that was actually following me in the invisible to me, invisible to all those people. Just told me, don't go in there. When that voice spoke, I got some strength from that voice and I pulled myself back from the gate. And then I finally catapulted another place. That was how death took over. This, this Satan spirit that, that has the power of death is what the Bible said. Christ came 
put on flesh and went with them. Let them kill him also because when they kill people, they take their soul and say, Oh, we got him. And they're dragging him to where they, they wanted to take him to hell. Also. And then the power of God manifested that Jesus Christ arrested those spirits. Their boss appeared, which is Satan. Bind Satan also, arrested Satan. That's what Jesus Christ did. He said he, he, he destroyed him, that was the power of death. How did he destroy the devil? The devil said, like, oh, he destroyed him, took his power away. That's what the destruction means. He couldn't do anything anymore unless he gets permission. And now the Lord Jesus Christ is the boss. The devil has to get permission before he can do anything. Especially if you want to go against Christians or believers in Christ Jesus. So the devil cannot do anything. That's why he said he destroyed him, that has the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver all those who through fear of death were all their lives are subject to bondage. What people are afraid of death, death, death. That the devil used against human beings from Adam. This guy came and destroyed that devil. That's why the Bible prophesied in the book of Gospel, Genesis chapter 3 that the seed of the woman, that's Christ, will bruise the head of Satan. And that's what Christ came to fulfill. And that was what he did when he died on the cross and went to that same place where the devil normally takes human beings to and destroyed Satan. I mean, he took his power off from him, is what he meant by destroy. And then the Lord himself is the Lord of And he came out by himself and let some people out of the place also. That's those people that rose again with him. Took them out of the grave and they went up to heaven. And that is the beginning of resurrection. And I'm telling you this because the Lord wants you to know this that there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved except the name of Jesus. So now, chapter 4, we are reading chapter 4 of the Acts of the Apostles. We are now in verse. We are now in verse uh, 18. So, and they called them, they called the apostles after they decided that we are going to threaten them not to talk to anybody in the name of Jesus. So they called the apostles and commanded them not to speak to all or teach. Not to speak at all. Not teach in the name of Jesus. They, they are afraid of that name Jesus. That's what the devil is afraid of. Wanted to silence his message. No, you can't silence the name of Jesus because it's the name of all. Name of the Almighty God that has given to mankind to save us. Verse 19. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them. Because of the people, for all men glorify God for that which was done. But the man was above 40 years old. He was above 40 years old. Not just 40, 40, above 40. On whom this miracle of healing was showed. The man had been lame all his life for 40 something years. He was accepted his faith that he was going to be paralyzed for life or like that. And then he was healed and he was walking around. They themselves attributed that, well, gee, we couldn't have done this. But these people did it, well, let's. Threatening them, let them not do that anymore. We don't want this to spread. They say, couldn't stop this. They should have welcomed and say, gee, where is there another one over here? Can you help us? There's another one over here. Can you help us? No, they are more, they are too proud to do that. They are too proud to do that. I can tell you, let's say even here, this high priest, let's say he has a, a lame boy in his house. Because of the pride, they will say, no, I don't need you to come and pray for my boy. That is how some people pride. We, many people will go to hell not because they of their sin because their pride is the major issue that will lead people to hell. Like I give the testimony of the man, I say, 
let me pray for your son in the hospital. When I just prayed for somebody in that same hospital that was being troubled by cholera, and the man, but of course, this, this is, that's in uh, that second, this is another world. And because I pray for him, and I pray for B, I pray for two people, and then I want to see, I see this little boy, a little boy, maybe five year old, seven year old. Gee, I got, I said, let me pray for your son. He said, no, no, you don't believe that. He said, we are Muslims. <laughs> I just shook my head and went away. That is pride. If you are Muslim and your prayer, why don't you have this preacher to pray for your son? If you really want the boy to wear, you don't care who, who, who pray, whose prayer did it, but pride. Pride will make some people to miss opportunities, to miss blessings. So that's why we must be humble before God. So that is what I'm saying. I say, even if this high priest has a boy that was lame, they will have said, hmm, let me call these apostles to come and help my son. But see, the pride won't let them do that if they have anything like that. They will have welcome and say, you, you did that, please help us. There's another man here that needs that same that miracle. There's another man here that needs that same miracle. Let's clean this city from all this lame. They know pride will not let them do that. They are too proud. So that's why we must humble ourselves before God, and God will help us if we are humble. Amen. Now, verse 23, the apostles now left. They are going to go back to the rest of the... They are going to go to the rest of the disciples and tell what has happened to them overnight. Why didn't we see you yesterday night? Verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. I'm going to continue this. Let me just continue this so that we wrap this chapter 4 up. Now, it's good to have your company. You see, that's why you cannot forsake the assembly of believers. If you are a believer, don't forsake the assembly of a local church. You should have a company that you fellowship with, where you can share your testimony with. Your testimony will help somebody else, will be somebody else. And we iron sharpens and we encourage one another. So these apostles, see they, when they left, they went to their own company. You must have a company of believers with you that you can relate to. You can't be a solo uh, in isolation in your own house and you don't fellowship with anybody, don't fellowship with any group, and think, well, that's all the churches are this. This group is uh, hypocrite. That church is hypocrite, full of hypocrites. And you are the only one that is not hypocrite. And you want to have your own church by yourself and you and your family. Fellowship with anybody that is not what God wants. God wants us to fellowship one another. See, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and, the, and, the, and, the, and with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the fellowship with, with the Lord Jesus Christ and with the Father God. So, very important to have your own company. It doesn't mean you have to have company with every show, but at least you have a company of believers with you in your own neck of the wood that you fellowship with. And then, love all the other believers that believe in Christ. Anyone that's born again is my brother. That's what the Bible says we should know. Everyone that is born again, you are my brother, you are my sister. We are family of God. Now, if I'm in this group and you are in that group, that's fine, but you have a local church, fellowship of brethren that you fellowship together. That's what we are saying. We must have a fellowship of believers together. Apostle, this example told us that when Peter and John were let go, they went to their own company as the believers and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. So now they are going to join together and pray to God together and cry to God together. When they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, 
thou art God, which has made heaven and earth, and the sea, and all that in them is. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did he then reach? And the people imagine vain things. The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together. Verse 27. For your for truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel who are gathered together, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determine before to, do, to be done. Now, you see, the apostles, and the apostles and the disciples were praying, first acknowledging God and saying, God, you created the heaven. And that's how God taught us to pray. Our Father, which has name, our Lord be the name. The first phrase is, our Lord be the name. That is, glorify God. Praise Him before you bring your request. So, what the first did was what? The first said, Thou hast created the heavens and the earth. And the sea, I know that them is, that's praising God. That's they say, God, you are the one that's already said it through the mouth of your prophets. Why do the Indian rage and the people remind you say they are the truth? Yes, these rulers are against your son, Jesus Christ. And they say, all the rulers, even Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles, they all rose up against the Messiah. They say, but they are doing what you have already planned that you determine that you be done. That is prophecy being fulfilled. We are not. You are not surprised by it. That is, they are telling God that God, you are not surprised by what is going on. It's not like uh, all these rulers are only surprising God. No. God said this is how it's going to be. Even when the rulers of the Edenic war were conquering the nations of the world and coming against Israel or against Jerusalem in the days of Ezekiah, God told the king of Sennacherib through the prophet Isaiah that, well, I have ordained that this is how it should be. It is God that has ordained it. That's why he, that king of Assyria was was overwhelming other nations. You see, God already ordained it. So that's what the apostles are saying also here. That it is you that have determined that this is how it is to be done. That they were to raise up themselves against Christ. So it is not a surprise to God. But now their petition to God is what? Verse 29 is this. And now, Lord, this is their petition to the Lord. Behold, they are threatening now. They are saying, well, they are threatening us right now that you say we should go and preach. Grant unto thy servant that with all boldness they may speak thy word. They are not saying we should, we should destroy all these rulers. No, they are not asking God to do, they won't be afraid of them. That's what they are asking for. And of course, God will answer that not so quickly. Because if you say God is the one that said this thing will be like this, they don't tell God to stop it. No? Just ask for the grace to stand, to do your own part. That's what their prayer is saying. Yes, God, you are the one that has said this is how it's going to be. You have allowed this Eden to raise up themselves against Christ. Now, this, they are now threatening us. This is them. They are threatening us. They are threatening the, the way that your servant that you have said we should go and be preaching. But what do you want me to do? They give us the boldness that we may speak your word. But as said, by stretching forth your hand, thy hand to heal. That is, keep showing the signs and wonders. And that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. So now they are praying that Lord keep showing the signs and wonders to dumbfound them. And, and, and help us to get the boldness to keep on pushing. The boldness is the most important thing. They, but they may kill you, they may beat you up. Yeah, that is part of the package. God didn't say they won't do that. That's how they seal their own doom, that do that. That's how they seal their doom in the lake of fire. They say, we that are preaching, don't be afraid to shut up our mouth and not want to talk anymore. We are to speak and to stand firm. And God is to show signs and wonder that, yes, I send these people. That's really what they are praying for. We need the boldness, we need the grace to keep on speaking. They may beat us, they may beat us up, but give us the grace to, to stand and bear it. 
and not cause them. Because he said we should pray, we should bless always. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaking where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they speak the word of God with boldness. That's what he asked for. They were bold now. They keep on preaching. Now verse 32 is going to tell us what happened to the, to the community of believers from that time forward. Verse 32 says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that heart of the things which he possessed was his soul. But they had all things common. Now, Apostle uh, Luke, who wrote this, Apostle, who wrote this act of Apostles, was going to tell us the life, the, the manner of life of the believers at the beginning, like that. Now that they are forming this church, a group, how was the community? And it was going to tell us that they all begin to pull together and gather their things together and try to help one another with substance, with finance, and so on. That's what he was trying to describe here. That was how they started. They have all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. I mean, they demonstrated that, yes, Jesus Christ resurrected because Christ was still in the Spirit, doing the signs and wonders while they were preaching about. That's the great power that they demonstrated. The resurrection. They bear witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Verse 434. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses, sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. Now you have to remember, the Lord called those 12 apostles. And from the time they started following the Lord Jesus Christ, they gave up their profession as whatever their profession of Peter was a fisherman. He had his own boat. The Christ said, you are going to become fishers of men. And after Christ resurrected and they were in the limbo state where they are still waiting for the Holy Ghost, Peter must have gotten a, a kind of a, a limbo mind and said, gee, maybe we better just go back and maybe financial something has coming. So he said, well, I'll go fishing. He wanted to go back indirectly to fishing. And that was, you see that in Gospel of John chapter 21. And the Lord just got to corner them in that, in that sea. By that sea and said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my lamb, feed my sheep. That the Lord was telling Peter that, no, you don't want to go back to fishing. They're going to be feeding my lamb. Feeding means preaching the word of God, teaching them the word as a full time. Now, was that just for Peter? For all the 12 that the Lord called, he has separated them from their businesses when they were following for those three years from place to place preaching about. So we can say they have, they have given up on their business. Also, that was what the Lord called full time ministry. Also. Now, when the Peter wanted to go back to his, uh, food, uh, his uh, job as a fisherman, the Lord said, no, I want you here to be feeding my lamb and feeding my sheep. Because that was the purpose of right now that this church has started, Holy Ghost has come down, the church has started, many more people have joined them. All these people, are not, not all of them totally throw all their business away and uh, be preaching about, no. But the apostles need to be supported also. These 12 that are not... Uh, Walking any other work rather than just teaching this crowd that they meet every day, they meet in the place every day. So many people begin to see the need for funding. So he said, many he said they, they, for them not to lack. For many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. I mean, people begin to that zeal was on them that made them to be saying, well, what do I need this land for? What do I need this land for? They were now just want to be the community like community, also. Everybody's selling their property and bringing the money. 
and Pastor Shifa saying, lay them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Now, they started that in that first church age. People said, should we do similar things? No, I don't think we should do similar things because the Lord, the Lord still needs people to, to, be, to be prosperous enough to be able to support one way or other, support the work of the Lord. You have to support the work of the Lord with your funding. Like those people that are following Jesus Christ, the women that are funding, they are supporting the Messiah with their own substance. But how do they get the substance? They have to be having the substance that they are by their business or their work. So some of us you still have business to be able to support the money of the business of the Lord. And say so the distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Does that mean all the people are no more working? I don't think so. But at least for those apostles, they are not working, so they were they needed some some distribution also. But what about widows that are poor that are also part of them? They also may need some funding. So that is where, but all of other person, are they still working? Yeah, of course, they are still working, making some, let's say, these assets that they were selling here was more like they gave up on the trying to acquire things in the world. Assets. Do we need to have assets like houses and so on? You see, example, that they did there because they were thinking the Lord is coming soon. That make them to give up on anything that is assets. What we do buy land for? Maybe in 50 years, if you accumulate or pass it down to your children, your grandchildren. So those are the type of things that the that people have assets for. But now they have a, a new mindset. We are, are expecting the logistics to come soon. We are known for not of this world. So because of that, they are now beginning to sell all those assets and distribute the money to everybody. It's just a zeal that come upon them, like a revival zeal come upon them that make them to begin to do that. But they, they were not thinking of this, this kingdom is coming in 2,000 years, of course. They are thinking of it, it's about to appear. They are no more of this world. It's coming soon. So why am I keeping three houses and and lands? You wanted to just get rid of them and distribute the money to everybody and wait for the Lord coming. So it was a zeal that came upon them. And the Lord allowed them to do that because you know that for some, after a while, you know, it didn't really work out that way. Why didn't it work out that way? Because many of them were scattered by the persecution. And then that was history now. They were scattered by persecution. And then another thing that happened was that when there was a famine that followed after these people were now realizing the believers are saying that these people have sold all their assets. When the when the, the famine came, they are going to be in one. So the churches in the Gentile world begin to contribute money to send to them in Jerusalem. Because they could realize that well, people that have sold their land, they have nothing to sell. If there's famine, they are still around alive. What are they going to sell? They have nothing to sell if there is no food. And so they begin to donate money to send to the believers in Jerusalem. But which means this, this uh, zeal that made them to sell all their houses and so on, it's not like it is the right thing to do, but they did it out of zeal for the Lord. And the Lord stood with them when they were in need, when the famine was coming, that the churches of Gentiles began to send them help. Now, verse 36. Give an example of somebody that sold his property and Joseph, who by the apostles were, was sold in Barnabas. That's a Barnabas that followed Peter and that followed Paul. Paul and Barnabas. He, he, he wrote his own testimony here that said, Which is being interpreted as son of consolation, a Levite out of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So that revival broke up and disease came upon them and they were selling all their lands and all their assets. Bringing the money to, to be distributed to everybody. And that was happening in that first church age. 
This is the end of chapter 4. We continue this in chapter 5. God bless you.